1: Don't you wish your dog could live a long, long, long life? I mean, maybe if you named your puppy Methuselah, you might have a chance, but I think that's just wishful thinking. So what is the secret to healthy aging in our dogs? Here with answers today on our show is one remarkable veterinarian. He is an international best-selling author. He was voted America's favorite veterinarian, And, oh yeah, he was named Holistic Practitioner of the Year. You know what's coming. Bow, wow, that's a lot. Please welcome to the show Dr. Gary Richter. Welcome, Dr. Gary.
2: Thank you. It's wonderful to be here.
1: (laughs) I mean, you have so much to share. And this is sort of an unusual thing for all our loyal listeners. We're going to be recording back-to-back episodes today of Dr. Gary Richter. In this episode, we're going to the dogs. In our next episode, we're going to meow, all to the cats. So it's all about helping our cats and dogs live long, healthy lives. We're going to find out what he has to say after we take this break. You all know the drill. Sit, stay. We'll be right back.
0: Time for a pause. For furry ones, actually, sit and stay. we will be right back. Obehave is back with more tail-wagging ways to achieve harmony in the household with your pets. Now, back to your fetching host, America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore.
1: Welcome back to the Obehave show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. Our special guest today is arguably dog's best friend. Why? Because he has dedicated his veterinary career to helping dogs of all ages, size, breeds, With the goal of getting them to enjoy long, healthy lives. You know who I'm talking about? The one, the only Dr. Gary Richter. Hey, welcome, welcome, Dr. Gary. You ready for this? I am
2: so ready. Thanks for having me.
1: I want to say pause and applause. You wrote a must get book back in 2017, it was called The Ultimate Pet Health Guide. You are also the founder, I love this word, he's got a preference for this word ultimate pet nutrition we got the ultimates in there and now hot off the press you have not one but two books out for those uh, watching on the uh, youtube dr gary go ahead and shout out the titles
2: longevity for dogs and longevity for cats
1: perfect all right for this episode, let's talk about dogs. I went through the book. I got to tell you, there's some big words in here that I actually use explained easily. But you take a holistic and integrative approach to keeping our dogs living long lives. But we're going to back up the bus a minute and just say, you know, let's talk about longevity in dogs. Maybe a generation ago, what do you think the life expectancy was for dogs? And do you have any knowledge of what it is today?
2: Well, I mean, you know, life expectancy for dogs, as you know, is 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 pretty dependent sort of on breed and size and that sort of thing. But there has been a trend, you know, over the years that in many cases, dogs' lifespans seem to be getting shorter. There's undoubtedly a a, a very long list of reasons why that is. Some of it may have to do with breeding. I think a lot of it has to do with uh, environment and nutrition. Uh, I don't think that, uh, you know, certainly the environment that all of us live in is problematic, um, particularly those of us who live in, um, you know, in urban areas where there may be a lot of exposure to toxins, that sort of thing. And really, I think you can't overstate the importance of the nutritional situation when it comes to animals. You know, that is in my opinion, the single biggest problem that we're facing when it comes to our pets and quite frankly ourselves is, is, you know what, at the end of the day, you can have the best healthcare and take all the best supplements, but but you know, if you or your pet are not getting an optimal diet, you're building a house on a foundation of sand. It's just not going to work.
1: You do have a pyramid in your book and at the base, the biggest, of course is nutrition. Yeah. I want to dive into that a little deeper in a second, but you also pointed out that there was a dog according to the Guinness people that was 30 years 8 months. That was supposedly the oldest dog. But you personally cared for a a client's dog a chihuahua. Do you remember how old that dog was?
2: Yeah, I mean I believe that little dog made it to 22, 23. Wow. In that neighborhood. Yeah. So uh, I mean, that's always impressive when you see little dogs or any dog get to that age. And it's always an interesting conversation to have with people about sort of what they have either done or haven't done to achieve those kinds of results.
1: So at the beginning of the book, Longevity for Dogs, and I'm going to say the subtitle because I think it's important, everybody. It's a holistic, individualized approach to helping your canine companion live longer and healthier. I like the fact that you brought in folks from the human medicine world, and the fact that longevity science, it's starting to be a hot topic, isn't it, for both people and pets? Oh,
2: yeah, it's a uh, longevity science is is really cutting edge uh, when it comes to medical research right now. Not surprisingly, most of that research is human focused. The funny thing about veterinary medicine, as you well know, is is sort of from a From a medicine and technology perspective, veterinary medicine has a tendency to run maybe 10 or 20 years behind human medicine with any given topic. So, you know, this longevity topic for me is really exciting because this is a moment that we can sort of turn the tables a little bit in the sense that this is all so new in human medicine that we can bring this in on the veterinary side as well. And we can kind of do this simultaneously simultaneously. And on some level, we actually have more leeway to do this in animals first, uh, just because of the regulatory environment. Uh, You know, we just have a lot more flexibility in how we can help our pets more so than perhaps even your physician does when it comes to us.
1: So when you hear this phrase, age is not a disease. What's your response? What's your reaction? What, what's your take on that phrase? You know what?
2: That was a phrase that was drilled into me and my classmates when I was in veterinary school. Age is not a disease. And that has forever been the approach of Western medicine is that we can talk about cancer and heart disease and kidney disease and all these other various specific diseases, but age is just sort of this inevitability that happens. Okay, And because of that, you know, there hasn't really been any any real concerted effort or thought put into, can we cure aging? Because it's not a disease, it's just a thing that happens. As the science has matured, and you know, this is discussed in detail in the books, is we now have what have been termed the hallmarks of longevity. And what this means is, These are the very specific cellular and chemical processes that happen in the body that lead to the body aging and deteriorating and ultimately dying. And now that we're understanding the mechanics of how those processes work, now we're starting to understand the mechanics of how to intervene and slow or even potentially reverse those processes. So all of a sudden, we can look at aging as a disease process in so much as It's not just some vaporous magic that happens behind the scenes. It's a very specific set of processes that happen. Just like, for example, when a person gets heart disease, there are very specific things that are happening in the heart that cause the heart to deteriorate and stop functioning. And we will take action to, to stop or reverse that. Now we can do that on the aging front as well. And that is going to completely
1: change the picture of how we approach this entire process that we call aging. So you have some villains you want people to know about so that we can sidestep them so our dogs can become the Betty Whites, the Bob Barkers of their species. And oxidative stress, inflammation from food, and the gut, microbiome. I don't want this to sound like a professor lecture course But when people hear the phrase oxidative stress, what does that mean, and how does that relate to getting their pet healthy?
2: Sure, and and you know without kind of getting into the you know the 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 real nitty gritty of it, there are processes that happen in the body that cause damage to the cells within the body. Some of that is just part of our natural body processes, in in other words, just you know our natural metabolism, the way our cells work create byproducts that can be toxic such as oxidants Uh, so everybody's heard of antioxidants right so our body produces antioxidants many of us take antioxidants as supplements there are antioxidants in food and what these are is these are natural counterbalances to the processes that naturally occur in our body so there's a balance between oxidation and antioxidants But what happens is, is when when we're eating the wrong things or living the wrong lifestyle or being exposed to certain chemicals or toxins, that level of oxidation in our body goes up dramatically and it starts causing damage at a cellular and even a subcellular, a DNA level. And those are the things that promote aging, cellular damage, DNA damage, all the kinds of things that mean every time your cells replicate, the cells that they're creating are not as functional as the ones that came before them with each successive step what winds up happening is is the body functions less and less efficiently and that is effectively what aging is so balancing that level of oxidation through diet lifestyle supplements medication you brought up gut health uh you know the other thing the other huge thing that happens
1: That's a big one because I went to Global Pet Expo and I think the buzzword was microbiome. Sure. Yeah. I mean, microbiome refers
2: to the population of bacteria and microorganisms that live in our gastrointestinal tract. A lot of people may not realize that 70% of our immune system lives in our gastrointestinal tract. So when our gut is not healthy, our immune system is not healthy and thus we are not healthy. So- maintaining an appropriate level and spectrum of, of, micro, of microorganisms in the gut is critically important to good health. Needless to say, diet has a lot to do with that. Medications have a lot to do with that. You know, Indiscriminate use of antibiotics can absolutely destroy the microbiome. Certain foods we eat will promote the wrong type of bacteria growing in our gut, and just to make things even more interesting there's a whole process in the body that is referred to as the gut brain axis and that is the direct connection that happens between what's going on in our gut and what's going on in our brain so for example in humans there are now direct links that have been made between poor gut health and diseases like alzheimer's and parkinson's disease so so gut issues lead to major medical issues that are not necessarily Thought of as gut diseases
1: hey everybody we're speaking with dr gary richter he's a genius he's a caring veterinarian he's a best-selling author and he wants our pets to live long healthy lives he's got two books out longevity for dogs longevity for cats i know you're you have a dr dr gary richter r-i-c-h-t-e-r and also ultimate pet i want people to to check out We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, the good doctor is going to give us a menu for how we can uh, help our pet. So sit, stay, we'll be right back.
0: Time for a walk on the red carpet, of course. All Behave will be back in a flash right after these messages.
3: Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms, and our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLife.com slash advertise today.
0: Let's talk pets.
3: Let's talk pets
0: on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com Pet Hi, this is Brandon McMillan, the host of Lucky Dog, and I invite you to listen to "Oh hey with Todd Moore More on Pet Life Radio. We're back from the lot. Just checked the paper and we had a record showing at the box. The letterbox, that is. Now back to Obehave. Here's Arden.
1: Welcome back to the Obehave show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. We're talking with Dr. Gary Richter. Why did you even become a veterinarian? Let's just get that out of the way. <laughs> you could have been a human cardiologist. You could have been a truck driver. What was it that you picked veterinary medicine?
2: You know what? I think it was a—it was sort of a combination of factors in my life. I've always been an animal person. You know, I was that kid where if you, if when I was a kid, if you put me in a room full of people and there was a dog, I would go hang out with the dog. <laughs> yeah. The irony is, is that, you know, all these decades later, I'm kind of still that person. Put me in yeah. a room full of people I don't know and I'll go hang out with the dog. So I've always had that connection with animals, and I've always been sort of a fan of science and biology and the natural world and how things work, you know, the order of nature, if you will. So it just sort of felt like a natural progression for me to go in this direction.
1: Well, I'm glad you followed your gut, and I hope your gut is healthy. That's what I'm hoping. Thank you. Let's get into nutrition. And that can be sometimes a little controversial topic. I say people, when you talk about pets and food, it's almost like you're talking religion and politics at the same time. There might be a food fight, but we've got a guy with a DVM after his name. We have a gentleman here that operates Ultimate Pet Nutrition. And I humbly have written the Pet Nutrition column for Catster and Dogster for the past eight years. So I get to learn a lot from people like yourself. Let's get into kibble. Kibble for 200, Dr. Richter, your take. Do we have to get into kibble? Sure. So let me just sort of make it,
2: I want to make it fairly, fairly simple. I think when you think about nutrition, regardless of whether it's a person or an animal, the best way to think about it is if you think about the body as a biological machine, that machine evolved to thrive on certain nutrients. So well, you know, clearly a dog's optimal spectrum of nutrients is different than a cat, is different than a person, but we all have an optimal spectrum of nutrients that our biological machines are made to thrive on. No biological machine evolved to thrive on food that came out of a bag or a can. So I think that is something that I hope that everybody can agree on. And when you look at kibble or canned food, There is no way around the fact that what you're talking about is highly processed food. If you're gonna take fresh food ingredients and you are going to make them shelf stable for two plus years, you have to do stuff to that food. And generally speaking, that stuff is not to the benefit of the person or the animal that's eating that food. The reality is, is dry food and canned food exist for one reason, and that reason is our convenience. It was never about what's best for the animal. No matter what the pet food companies tell you, That's never what it's been about. It's always been about what's convenient and affordable. So the bottom line is, as we all know for our own health and wellness, the more fresh whole foods we're eating and the less processed food, the better. That is common sense for everybody. But for some reason, most people, and, uh, and it pains me to say this, most veterinarians will recommend that you feed your dog dry food or canned food, highly processed food that comes with all of the baggage All of the potentially inflammatory and cancer-causing compounds that we know occur in processed food and in many cases are occurring in dramatically higher levels than most people are eating on a day-to-day basis. And yet that's what we're asking our dogs to eat every day, and then everybody scratches their head down the road and wonders why all these dogs are getting cancer and chronic inflammatory disease and are aging before their time
1: and in fairness to the veterinarians because the vet schools you're packed with a lot of curriculum and i wish they would spend more time on nutrition it's people like yourself that taken in an integrative holistic approach that have gone back and done more schooling that are really learning and being able to share the benefits of whole food being served to our pets and it's economics too. There's some folks that don't have a big paycheck. They haven't won that lottery. So is there some things, let's go for the people that may not be wealthy. Is there some little things you can do that could up the quality and the digestibility of food for their dogs?
2: Yeah, I mean there absolutely is and I and I fully recognize the fact that feeding a dog a fresh whole food diet can be financially challenging especially if you have a large dog or more than one large yeah. dog. It can be daunting. So, I think step 1 is realize that again, like look at it through the lens of of us as people. You know, I do my best to eat as much fresh healthy food as I can. That doesn't mean that every single meal I eat is perfectly balanced fresh food and it may be that I go out and you know, eat. I'm going to use the term "garbage" food from time to time. Just because I eat junk food from time to time does not mean that I should throw out the rest of my diet and say, "Oh, what's the difference?" So we need to look at that with our pets as well. The bottom line is: is feed your pet as much fresh whole food as you can, and feed the rest the highest quality commercially made canned or kibble that you can. So. It's you know The reality here is, is that whatever you're going to do for your pet, whether it's nutrition or lifestyle or supplements or whatever, whatever you're going to do, it has to be sustainable for you to do it. If it's something that you're going to do for a week and then give up because it's too hard or too expensive or too problematic, we're not actually doing your pets any favors. So what we have to do is we have to get creative and figure out what, what works in your real world. So if that means feed some fresh food and some canned or kibble, then so be it. And, you know, we all have to live in reality and do what we can. And I've kind of gone through this in the books, giving people some strategies on how you can do this like to, the, to, to your pet's best benefit.
1: And in my household, we got married. We, have, we brought the families together, the four-leggers. So we have four cats, two dogs. We call it the furry Brady Bunch. How's that? And we include s- sodium-free bone broth as a topper for all our pets. And sometimes we make it and sometimes we get it, but we read the label carefully. So that is not expensive, but what's the Benny for that?
2: Yeah. I mean, bone broth can be incredibly healthy. It's got great collagen. It's got great nutrients in there. Like you say, it's not particularly expensive. The one caveat I would throw out there as it pertains to bone broth is it is really important that it's organic. Okay. And organic is always nice, but but bone broth in particular. And the reason is, is you may be familiar with the herbicide glyphosate, or Roundup. Yep, so I've heard of it. Glyphosate is widely used in agriculture to spray crops. Um, and when animals eat these crops, that glyphosate has a tendency to get deposited in the bones. So it concentrates in those areas. We know glyphosate is toxic. We know it actually causes cancer in people. So If you're going to take bones from conventionally raised animals and then boil them and leach out all of those nutrients, you're also potentially leaching out a whole bunch of glyphosate, which can be really problematic. So if you use organic bone broth, you shouldn't have that problem. I like organic in general, but the bone broth is one particular thing that you really want to focus on because of that issue.
1: I love that. You also touched a little bit on portions because we don't want our dogs to become hairy Ottomans. And too much weight puts stress on the joints, opens up, you know, all different diseases. Sure. Portions, any tip on portions in regards to longevity?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and let me start that comment by saying there is a difference between your dog wants to eat and your dog needs to eat. It certainly <laughs> yeah. is a difference for me. You know, I think everybody enjoys eating as an activity, but that doesn't really necessarily mean that that's what your body needs. So, you know- Maintaining an optimal body weight is really important from a longevity perspective. Excess calories, excess body weight leads to inflammation, insulin resistance, all kinds of problems down the road. So we really want to take every effort to make sure that our pets are maintaining a healthy weight. And there's a number of ways to do that. Some of it's just making sure that you don't overfeed them. And part of that is a willpower issue on our part. Just because your dog's giving you those puppy dog (laughs) eyes does not mean that he needs to eat. And if you get your dog used to eating snacks that are healthy uh, for him or her, for example, like carrots, broccoli, something like that, then you can feed him treats all day long and it doesn't really matter.
1: My little dog, Emma, my Gemma, she is WTM for Miss M, which is watermelon. And she also likes cucumbers.
2: Oh yeah. My dogs love cucumbers. I agree. Wow. Yeah. My dogs will sit up and beg for cucumbers. So like these are things that you can feed your pets and it's fine. Getting back to the discussion of earlier, if you're feeding your pet a fresh food diet, what you're, another thing that you're doing is you're dramatically reducing their carbohydrate load compared to kibble. Um, And as I think most people know, if you cut carbs out of your diet and you have weight to lose, you're probably losing weight that's another thing that we can do for these guys. And really just setting up patterns with your dog. You know, if you just set up a pattern of like, this is when you eat and that's that, then that's the lifestyle that your dog will become used to. If your dog has become accustomed to you feeding them treats all day long, then that's what they're going to expect. True. So, you know, I mean, our dogs live in the world that we set up for them, It's amazing how many people allow themselves to be trained by their dog. It's a fascinating thing. They have
1: invisible watches. Yeah, Yeah. they have invisible watches. They know when it's mealtime.
2: Yeah, I mean, arguably dogs are better at training people than we are at training them.
1: Yeah, I, I would say. So let's briefly touch upon exercise because there's a lot of options, indoor, outdoor. And I want to talk about the good old dogs. Because they're not trying to be dock divers or agility sprinters. What are some things people can do for older dogs to get them up and moving?
2: Yeah, I mean, just like a person who may may not be in very good physical condition, these are things that you have to do slowly. So if you have a dog that has some, you know, maybe some mobility issues, or maybe they're just a little overweight or out of shape, you got to start slowly. Just take them out for a real short walk you can take them out for multiple short walks per day. So they're not going to get as tired. One of the things that we often tell people in my office, you know, we do a lot of physical therapy and deal with a lot of pets that have mobility issues is, you know, what we tell people is, however long you're taking your dog for a walk, I mean, you want them out for a walk so they get enough exercise, but they're not sore afterwards. And try and increase the length of their walk by five minutes each week. Okay, good. That doesn't sound like a lot, But if you think about it, in four weeks, you've increased your daily walk time by 20 minutes. So it adds up, but that's a good way to very, very slowly work your dog into a greater exercise program without them potentially getting injured. And if your dog has real issues beyond that, it may be that doing some exercises in water can be helpful. If you happen to have um, a canine rehab facility where you live, that's a great way to help recondition your dog by Good putting point. them either yeah. in a pool or an underwater treadmill. There's a lot of things that you can do. What you don't want to do, and this is the fatal pitfall for us as people, is you over exercise, you get hurt, and then you can't do anything. So you don't want to do that with your dog is let them go out and right. run around and overdo it, and then they hurt, and then you can't exercise them, and you get into this cycle
1: where yeah. you
2: never get uh-huh. anywhere.
1: We could talk for hours with you, Dr. Gary Richter. He is the author of Longevity for Dogs. We've got a few minutes left. I want you to crystal ball a little bit. I'm laughing because I'm wearing a new smartwatch. I finally got to the world of every human. Welcome. And and, uh, wearable devices. People are depending on it to see how many steps they've taken, what their heart is, blah, blah, get their little Dick Tracy phone call coming. Boy, am I old. But wearable devices are really starting to gather some attention for our dogs who are out and about with us. What's your take on them? I'm a big fan of wearable
2: devices. It's actually uh, a technology that I've been looking at very closely, looking at putting together a product that can really make a difference for animals. You know, So now you have a wearable, but I mean, the great things about these wearables is they can give you insight into your health that you were not otherwise aware of how well you're sleeping, how many calories you're burning, are you resting well? I mean, you know, you got eight hours sleep, but was it good sleep? These are all things that you can then start to tweak your lifestyle when you go to bed, when you eat, what supplements you take, what have you, to tweak how your body is working and optimize your body function and thus improve your health and your aging. That all applies to dogs, but even more so because of course our pets are not only nonverbal, But they're going to go out of their way to not tell you when something's wrong with them. So if we can start to get an idea of subtle changes in activity and respiration and heart rate before there's overt problems, it gives us a window into how they're doing before they're overtly sick. I personally think wearables are going to be enormous in the pet market. Like I said, I'm, I've am i been working for the past year or so, looking for the right technology to put together a product to do this with. That's really the magic in all this is getting the right tech that works well and does what we want it to do. I think that tech is out there and there's a, a couple of companies that I'm talking to right now that look very, very promising. So it's a definitely awesome. sort of a watch this space kind of area uh, because I think that is gonna be a big leap forward in pet care.
1: Wow, you heard it here first from Dr. Gary Richter. And Dr. Gary, I want people to make sure they know how to find you. I want them to get their paws on your book, Longevity for Dogs. Tell us how people can reach out and find you. So as far as the books go,
2: Amazon, anywhere that books are sold, support your your local independent bookseller. You know, as far as me personally, you can find me at drgaryrichter.com. You can find information about the food and supplements that I've formulated at ultimatepetnutrition.com. And for people who may live in the San Francisco Bay Area, if they want to come see me, my office website is holisticvetcare.com.
1: Very nice. Very nice. You survived an episode with Arden Moore. How do you feel? Do you feel ageless? Younger every day. <laughs> Younger every day. Hey, everybody, we do want to give pause and applause to Dr. Gary Richter for being a guest on our show. As we said, we're going to go ahead and grab him back because we're going to the feline side in our next episode. So shout out to my producer, Mark Winter. He is the executive producer of Pet Life Radio, the world's largest pet radio network. Humbly, you're listening to Behave, the longest running weekly pet podcast on the planet. That's a lot of peas to pop for my producer to amend. We've been on the air since 07. Check me out on YouTube, Arden Moore. It is my real name. Thank you, Mom. And until next time, this is your flea-free host, Arden Moore, delivering just two words to all you two-, three-, and four-leggers out there. Oh, behave!